to Victory and Labang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Well, hello, Victory family. It's so good to be here in our center once again in Festival Mall. Even if I'm the only one here with a couple of our church staff. We're not yet meeting on site physically here, but thank you for joining us in our online weekend service. Now, uh, you can actually just put there uh, in the comment section where you are watching from, maybe from Cavite or from Paranaque or from Alabang. Just go ahead and write it there uh, in the comment section so that at least uh, we know where you're coming from. Well, today we're continuing with our series on the book of Romans, and we're going to be doing Romans chapter 5. Uh, this is the, still the gospel explained, and we will be looking at the peace of God. What a very important topic to talk about today. Now, uh, if you feel that you would like to invite the rest of your family to join us, and maybe some of your friends to join this service, go ahead and share the link on FB or YouTube, okay? Now, when you talk about peace, you want to live in a peaceful world. Now, how many of you would like to have peace, like peace, uh, where there's no war, no strife? You know, Christmas is just around the corner. You know, I've been seeing a lot of uh, uh, memes. And, you know, when you talk about Christmas, peace on earth uh, is normally a Christmas greeting, but it's more than just a Christmas greeting. It's actually like a song or a promise of God to his people but peace on earth at Christmas is an expression of a more general desire for world peace. But we know that expectation is not the same as reality. Now, there's a lot of conflicts still happening in the world that we live in today. And we are facing a lot of social issues like racism, terrorism, hate crime, discrimination, etc. And we want to enjoy peaceful relationships at home, for example, with our family, with friends. And I'm sure that even, uh, you know, every one of us would like to have peace uh, in our homes. Now that we're always stuck at home, many of us are still working from home. Uh, we're with one another 24-7. We're hoping that there's no strife, there's less irritation. We desire to have strong relationships with our spouse and our children. We also would like to have peace within ourselves, accepting and loving who we are inside. And there's a longing for peace uh, deep in our hearts. And if we will be honest, you know, some of us may actually feel a long way from attaining peace in our lives. Instead, we have lives that are chaotic, maybe. Uh, some of us don't have peace within. Uh, maybe some of you are just so worried or anxious about the future. Maybe you're out of sync. Maybe things are messy and everything else is but peaceful. But how would you, what would you do if you could actually get peace? Now, Paul in the following passage in Romans chapter 5, talks exactly about that. So I'd like to invite everyone, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you go ahead and open to the book of Romans chapter 5, and we'll be reading from uh, verse 1 to verse 11. I actually opened it right now already. I'm here in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and I'll be reading from verse 1 until verse 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed or shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for our time, even as we talk about your peace. Thank you for the peace that you have brought to us through the complete work of Christ on the cross. And may we have greater appreciation and gratitude for this peace and this access to your grace by which we stand. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, to most minds, the absence of peace is a probably a horizontal problem, that it's somehow a people problem, that if we don't have peace, that we don't have peace with our relationships horizontally. It's the result of people not getting along with other people, you know, either an individual or at a societal level. And we're thinking that if we could just break down the barriers of selfishness or strife within people, then we can achieve peace. But yet, when you talk about peace, according to the scriptures, the problem of peace runs deeper than human relationships because it is primarily a vertical problem, man's relationship with God. And the real problem is this, that we are all sinners by birth and by choice. And we are alienated from each other because we are separated from God. We are far from Him. And the primary relationship is broken. So all other relationships are broken with it. Our relationship with God desperately needs healing before all others. And only God can fix it. Only God can make peace with us. It's His initiation. It's His initiative. He's the one who started. He's the one who looked for us. We were not looking for God. God was the one who searched for us. God was the one reaching out to us. And in the opening verse of uh, chapter 5, you know, by using the word peace, Paul is talking about an absence of war. What he's saying is that at one time we were at war with God, enemies of God. But now, through the work of Christ on the cross, we are friends with God. What a title. You know, Abraham was considered a friend of God. And I, you know, and I, I, it's, it's really just an amazing thought that instead of the people, us, being enemies of God, that we are now friends with God, no longer at war with Him, but at peace with Him. And so often, uh, you know, we portray Christian peace as being something to do with how we feel, like a subjective peace. We are content, we're happy, we're feeling emotionally stable. You know, sometimes when we say that, you know, I'm at peace or I have peace, you know, we're translating that into feelings. You know, but when you talk about peace, being a Christian is absolutely not about what you feel. And the Christian faith is not based on emotions or feelings. It is built on truth, on what Jesus has achieved for us on the cross. Transaction done, whether we feel it or not, 
It doesn't matter what you feel right now. And because it is all dependent on Jesus and not how we feel, we can be absolutely confident of our relationship with God. That is what peace is all about. Not based on our feelings. And sometimes you may actually be feeling, you know, uh, some turmoil or some storm within. But yet when you are absolutely sure and have put your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, then peace has come. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's love. Jesus did it for us, period. And Paul is quite definite about it when he wrote, we have peace with God. Now let me just share three thoughts on this. First thought is we have peace with God, okay? We have peace with God because we have been justified or we're declared righteous by faith. And we see this in verse 1. Now, we see this word again, justification. Now, justification is the act of being made righteous before the sight of God. It is God's righteous act of removing the guilt and the penalty of sin, while at the same time declaring the ungodly to be righteous because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You know, I often say this. When you talk about justification, justified is like a key word here. Justified means justified, never sinned. And that's what justification is all about. That we have been given a clean, perfect record. You know, we were all sinners once before our relationship with God. And that was our identity before. And who we are determines normally what we do. Not what we do determines who we are. We are not sinners because we sinned. We sin because we were sinners. That's our nature. And our identity determines what we do, and no matter how hard we try to change, we are incapable of doing uh, you know, the change unless there's a change in our nature and identity, and we cannot change ourselves. And this is where the grace of God and the work of Christ comes in. And God initiated this work and has done it for us. God intervened, and He has changed our identity from the inside out, and Jesus has given us His perfect record. You know, Jesus lived the perfect life and he was judged for our imperfect life. He took the judgment for our imperfect life and we got the credit for his perfect life. Can you imagine that? That is what justification is all about. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And we call it imputation. Fancy word. Not amputation, but imputation. It is the action or process of ascribing righteousness or guilt to someone by virtue of a similar quality in another. It's like a divine exchange or my sin for Christ's righteousness, my guilt for Christ's innocence. In other words, we're no longer guilty of the sin that we have done. The righteous judge basically looks at us and declares us not guilty. And by declaring us not guilty, it does not mean that we are totally innocent as if we have not broken the law because we all have broken the law. What it simply means is that someone else had paid the penalty of our sins. He who knew no sin. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And now this is a tough concept to grasp, I understand. Um, you know, because we live in a world or a society that is based on merit or hard work. You know, we must work hard to earn our keep. You know, for example, students, uh, they're about to go to class already or school, it's about to start. Students are recognized based on the effort that they put in school. 
employees are rewarded and compensated based on the competence or the hard work that they have done. And the motto of the world is no work, no pay. And this is the society that we live in. And as a result, sometimes you translate this mindset into salvation and we think that we need to work our way to God to earn His favor and love and yet we know that nothing can be farther from the truth. You know, I want to quote uh, from uh, W.A. Creswell and he said this, the message from our Lord Himself is that Christ suffered and was raised from the dead and that remission of sins should be preached in His name to all people. That is the good news. That is the message. That is the gospel. You know, he actually preached this in, in uh, his sermon entitled The Remission of Sins. And now this is good news. This is great news, in fact. And some would even say that this is too good to be true. We, in essence, actually have been accepted by God before we were ever worthy to be accepted by God. Now that is great news. God was the one who made us worthy and he accepts us and we had absolutely nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing. This leads me to my second point. We have been given access into this grace and hope of the glory of God in verse 2. It is not only peace that Jesus' death on the cross brings us. As Paul says in verse 2, through Jesus, we have access into this grace by which we stand. Now, when you talk about access, access means a way of approach. Now, you know, we're here in Festival Mall right now, and no one can just come in here before the mall opens. But since we have our IDs, uh, you know, Victory ID and then Festival Mall ID, we have been given access so that we can actually come in here early on, uh, even if the mall is still closed. Now, you know, there are many barriers out there between you and maybe a movie star or maybe a president or maybe a monarch or a corporate CEO, you can't just get in unless you are someone or you know someone. And through faith in Christ, we have gained full access to God's presence and God's favor. You know, the idea here is like that of an ordinary citizen being granted access into the royal court of a king. Imagine just walking to the gates of Malacanang Palace and going straight to the cabinet meeting room meeting with the president, or in the White House, going straight to the Oval Office. You know, through Jesus' death on the cross, we have been brought into a state of peace with God, and we have been given access to Him, His grace, His love, and His compassion. And because we have access, we can enjoy fellowship with God and His eternal blessings. Without holiness, we know this, we cannot see God. Much more enjoys blessings and grace. But by faith, we have access to come into the presence of this holy God that we worship through Jesus Christ alone. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says, Through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, access is normally viewed from the perspective of a person wanting to come in or maybe enter uh, like having a password in a computer app. You know, that's exactly what access is. You know, when you want to go inside a room or inside, uh, you know, an exclusive club. But, you know, as I was meditating upon this word, I also can define access as a pass to go out. 
It's kind of like a prisoner who would like to have the access to freedom to the open world. You know, I remember playing the, you know, the escape game when I was, uh, when we were visiting in Nashville or the breakout room uh, here uh, in, in Manila. And the object of the game is to get out within a specific time by solving certain clues that will give you access to doors that will eventually open and it will lead you outside. You know, before we were justified, we used to be slaves and prisoners of our sins. We were trapped and we did not have access to freedom. But Christ sets us free from our bondage. Now we also rejoice in our hope of the glory of God. We are expectant of the future glory that is waiting for us. But Paul also added something about pain and suffering. And we've read that earlier in verse 3. He was talking about this, and we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You know, of all things that Paul is going to be talking about, why suffering? You know, at first this may sound a bit off, because who in his right mind would rejoice in his suffering as if that is what you are praying for? But what he's saying is, that we ought to have like a positive and a hopeful attitude when, it, when we face trials and sufferings. And how many of you have actually been uh, in front of a suffering or a trial or a circumstance or a difficulty or a hardship? I believe all of us have, have faced such uh, you know, situations. All of us go through extraordinary difficult times in life just like this. You know, this pandemic is so difficult for us. This economic crisis Maybe some have experienced death in the family, marital problems, breakdown of relationships, financial problems, sickness, failure of dreams, or even ambition. You know, life can be terribly cruel for all of us. But as Paul says here, in the midst of our troubles and afflictions, we can still remain hopeful about God. Because God is not like a genie in a magic lamp, you know. For example, you've got three wishes and this genie would whisk away our pain and suffering in life. God is not like that. But God is a God who walks with us through our pain and never abandons us in the darkest trials of life. Jesus was the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He walks with us. He empathizes with us. He feels our pain. And He is with us no matter what. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Whatever it is that life might bring to us, He will always be there for us. We can always put our trust and our hope in Him. You know, these three things will remain. And we know this. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Faith, hope, and love. You know, it's interesting that this particular passage in Romans 5 talks about these three things. We have access to peace and grace by faith. We hope even in suffering. And which leads me to my third point. We have been rescued from wrath by God's love. You know, as I said earlier, we were enemies of God. We were objects of wrath. And because God's, because of God's love, We who were his enemies were reconciled back to him. And then Paul drives his point home in Romans chapter 5, 
verse 8. And I love this verse. But God shows or demonstrates His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul is driving this point home that God's love is not just for those who are trying their best to live holy and obedient lives or trying to be good, but God's love is for the sinners. Christ died for sinners. God's love is for you and for me. Christ died for you and for me while we were still in our sins. It is easy to love someone who is good to you or one who honors you like maybe your spouse or maybe your children. But it would be difficult to love our enemies. Someone who wronged us or stole something from you maybe or one who betrayed you. Yet the Bible says that while we're still sinners and enemies of God, He decided to love us. Are we still questioning the love of God for us? You know, the death of Christ on the cross is the perfect demonstration of God's love. Do you want to know how much God loves you? Just look at the cross. It demonstrates a holy truth in the most graphic and ugly manner. You know, sometimes when you look at the cross right now, you know, it's clean, it's like ornamental, you know, it's made of gold. But the, the cross in the first century where Jesus was uh, crucified on was very graphic. It was ugly. You know, he was, you know, he was actually, he's bruised and beaten. You know, you can hardly recognize Jesus on that cross. And that is the proof and the demonstration of God's love for each and every one of us. God has gone beyond the limit of what is expected. He sent his son to the cross because he loves you and me. In verse 9, it says, since therefore we now have been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be, will, we be, uh, will we be saved by Him from the wrath of God? Now, there is something quite extraordinary about the way Paul phrases this uh, sentence because he pulls together all of time and space into one sentence. You know, it's like a, a grammar lesson from the Apostle Paul. He actually was able to pull the past, the present, and the future. And this phrase, having been justified, is actually a past action. It's done. You and I have been justified, justified, never sinned, just as if we were innocent. And then this word now, it indicates the present reality. And this phrase, shall we be saved? It talks about our future. You know, at the cross of Christ, all of time and space became one moment in eternal significance. Past, present, future, all became one. And that's why our salvation is never dependent on us. Because sometimes we get it right with God. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we have big faith. There are a lot of times that we have little faith. Salvation is not dependent on us, but on the eternal significance of the death of Jesus on the cross. And because of his death, we are put in the right standing with God and we're saved from God's wrath through Christ. And I'd like to share my final, my main point as we prepare to close. Real peace is attained by being reconciled to God because of the work of Christ on the cross. <clears throat> and I would like to end with the verse 11 of Romans chapter 5. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
What a wonderful verse. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we're no longer His enemies. We have perfect peace with Him. We have access to that grace. And even if we go through difficulties, we can hope because of His presence in us. And now we have been reconciled with God. And as we have peace with God, instead of living in terror before God, we rejoice in Him. We boast about Him. We brag on the work of God in our lives because it's not about us. It's not about what we have done. It's not about, you know, whether we have been trying to be good or trying to earn favor from Him. It's all about what Christ did for us on the cross. Tetelestai. It is finished. It is fully paid. The work has been done. And all you've got to do right now is to put your faith in Him. Then, God will grant us His peace in our lives. Peace with us. Reconciliation with sinners like you and me. And we do it with an enjoyment of the reconciliation and freedom that we have experienced. I hope that we are all encouraged today with the preaching of God's Word. Let's just bow our heads right now and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time. Uh, even as we have talked about the beauty of your promise that as we put our faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, I thank you that you've given us peace with you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the ungodly, and you have come and reconciled us to yourself. You've given us access to your grace. You've given us access to your presence. And I thank you even today, Lord God, that you will continue to minister uh, in your people's lives. And maybe you're here today, you're watching this, maybe for the first time, or maybe somebody invited you to join us online. And maybe if you're going to be honest with yourself, you would actually say that, I don't feel peace. I don't have peace with God. Maybe you're still living in your own life, your own way, with your own terms. You know, it's time to surrender your life to God. God is reaching out to you right now, and He would like to give you peace and salvation. And all you've got to do is just accept His invitation. It is actually a free gift. Let me pray for you right now. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, why don't you repeat this prayer after me? Just pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you because of your finished work on the cross, because of your love for me, that you became the Lamb of God who paid for the penalty of all my sins. I want to say I'm sorry and I want to surrender my life to you that from this day on, I will say you are my Lord and I believe in my heart that you have been raised from the dead. Thank you for the assurance of peace and eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, if you pray that prayer, congratulations. Today is the first day of eternal life. And we'd like to invite you to join us in our connect rooms. You see that actually at the bottom of the screen. And, uh, or if you miss out uh, on this, you can go and log on to our uh, website, victoryalabang.church slash connect. And we can actually uh, reach out to you and pray with you and guide you what's next in your walk with Him. Also, for those of you who would like to... Uh, Discuss this and talk about this word uh, with your family, uh, with your friends, or maybe with your small group. Go ahead and take note of all the discussion questions on your screen. And uh, we encourage you to be part of a small group. And just in case you want to join us as well, if you 
uh, want to look for or be part of a small group, go ahead as well uh, in our connect rooms and we'd like to meet with you after the service. Once again, thank you so much for that. Allow me to just uh, end this uh, service with a word of prayer and final benediction. Father, thank you so much for what you have done today. I pray God that you would continue to assure your people that you have indeed loved them with a perfect and unfailing kind of love. Thank you, Lord God. Every time we look at Jesus Christ on the cross, His work on the cross is complete. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have saved us, God, and you have given us peace. Bless your people, Lord God, as we uh, continue to enjoy our time together with our family. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn His face toward you and grant you peace. May the love of our Heavenly Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you all. See you next week. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.